0: and call 1-888-FREEDOM
1: or
2: visit ConsumerCellular.com.
3: Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Saving starts with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider.
4: When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It was at the Lorraine Motel, right in the heart of Memphis, Tennessee, where civil rights leader Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated on April 4th of 1968. At the same site, the Lorraine Motel itself Established in 1991 in efforts to honor and preserve the legacy of Dr. King, and now designated as one of the nation's premier heritage and cultural museums, the National Civil Rights Museum chronicles the American Civil Rights Movement and tells the story of our nation's ongoing struggle for human rights. Steadfast in its mission to share the culture and lessons from the civil rights movement and explore how this significant era continues to shape equality and freedom globally today, the museum offers more than 250 artifacts and more than 40 new films, oral histories, interactive media, and external listening posts that guide visitors through five centuries of history. From the beginning of the resistance during slavery through the Civil War and Reconstruction, the rise of Jim Crow, and the seminal events of the late 20th century that inspired people around the world to stand up for equality. Through interactive exhibits, historic collections, dynamic speakers, and special events, the museum offers visitors the opportunity to walk through history and to learn more about our nation's most influential periods of change. Among the top 5% of institutions to be accredited by the American Alliance of Museums and as a founding member of the International Coalition of Sites of Conscience, featured on the History Channel, CNN, and in USA Today, and as a focus for the Academy Award-nominated documentary, The Witness, from the balcony of Room 306, The museum brings together historic sites, museums, and memory initiatives from all around the globe that connect past struggles to today's movements for human rights and social justice. Kicking off year-long observances-themed Freedom Can't Wait, As the museum focuses on major civil rights milestones with anniversaries in 2023, on a mission to educate and serve as a catalyst to inspire action to create and influence positive social change, the National Civil Rights Museum will be presenting King Day, an all-day celebration on Monday, January 16th, with free admission to the museum from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., thanks to FedEx. One of the many exciting events planned for the year, observed as a day of service and celebration, the King Holiday at the museum is a chance for visitors to give back to the community and take part in a full day of on-site activities. Specializing in African American and community history, as well as institutional strategy and engagement, with a long-standing and highly decorated career in education, today's guest is a trusted and devoted advocate, educator, published author, and philanthropist. Here with us to discuss the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the intentions and impact behind his final campaign, and to share more about the National Civil Rights Museum and how the museum will be honoring Dr. King's birthday this year. We have president of the National Civil Rights Museum, Dr. Russ Wigginton. I am Maggie B. Noen, and this is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast with your host, Ramses Jaw.
1: Dr. Russ Wigginton, How you doing today, brother?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're looking forward to this, man. You are a, a, an inspiring person. So I, I like these conversations. It should be fun. So um, something we like to do around here is, uh, you know, we like to give our listeners a little bit of background on the guests, uh, especially guests who have uh, reached the heights of, uh, like, like the heights that you've reached. And so we ask for you to start your story at the beginning. Tell us a bit about yourself, uh, your upbringing, and of course, what led you to the career path that you're on.
0: Sure, and thank you for, uh, thank you for having me in those kind words. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a native of Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. Uh, my parents were classmates, high school classmates, of a guy you may be familiar with who used to who used to go by Cassius Clay uh, in their day. okay. Um, And so Muhammad Ali, of course, uh, growing up in a house where hearing stories about him as a young person and and uh, those things were always interesting to me. Um, My father is a uh, graduate of Howard University and. As a college student, he was sweet mates with Stokely Carmichael. Mm. My mother, uh, who did not attend college, but as uh, an 18 year old, was the legal guardian of her 15 and 14 year old brother. And in her late teens, early 20s, helped desegregate lunch counters. Uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, and and was arrested and all the things that, that go with that. So I come from a parental base that made it clear to me early on uh, that I mattered uh, and that I, my life should have purpose, and I had tremendous support from them throughout all of my twists and turns. Uh, I went to high school in Nashville, Tennessee, and attended Rhodes College in Memphis. After working in sales and marketing for about five years, I went to graduate school at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, where I earned a doctorate in history, Uh, began a Academic career as a faculty member back at my alma mater, Rhodes College in Memphis. And what I thought was a two year fellowship turned into 23 years. Wow. And uh, I did not teach all of that time. I moved into senior administration and held several roles uh, in, in, at that institution. But part of that was me both falling in love with this complicated city called Memphis that has a unique and distinctive tradition. And that was in 1996 when I came back to Rhodes. And the National Civil Rights Museum started in 1991. And so I had a chance in in the museum's infancy to begin to form a relationship In fact, I had the opportunity as a uh, whippersnapper history professor Mm -hmm. to start the first internship with the college or university that the museum enjoyed. And when I think about where the museum was in 1996, really still finding itself. And then I think about the opportunity that I had to serve as a board member for the National Civil Rights Museum for a decade prior to assuming this role. You know, I, I, in many ways, I pinch myself every day that, uh, that I have the awesome responsibility of, of really playing a part in what I consider and what we consider here at, uh, of sacred ground every day. And it's a it's a humbling position to be in. I'm reminded every day of the reach and touch and inspiration that we play in this country and in this world. And um, I am perpetually grateful that I have the foundation by which uh, allowed me to uh, to do the work that I get to do every day.
1: OK, so so speaking of the work that you do, um, it's at the Lorraine Motel, and that has an interesting story of its own. So for folks that don't know the history there, um, share a little bit about the history and how the, the museum came to be located there.
0: Sure. So the motel was it's located in downtown Memphis, uh, Very centrally located. Uh, And those for folks who don't know Memphis, uh, Memphis is a uh, it's known as the capital of the Delta. So while we're in the state of Tennessee, Tennessee is an extremely long east to west state. Mm -hmm. If you go to the tip, the eastern tip of Tennessee, you're actually closer to Washington, D.C. than you are Memphis. Wow. And Memphis, across the bridges, Memphis is on a bluff. So a- across the bridge is Arkansas and and you, you go south and you're in Mississippi. So as the capital of the Delta, Memphis is very much a, a, a deep southern state with, with all of the implications of that. And Memphis was the place where Many African Americans would come uh, and and sort of find the find their voice, mm-hmm. uh, and many stayed, and and some continued in that wonderful migration up to places like Chicago. So, if you think about the 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 role of segregation, the, the Lorraine Motel was was a whites only motel for a long time, and and there was a moment where uh, L- Walter and and Lori Bailey purchased the Lorraine, and it became this interesting dynamic place where African Americans would stay in a, it's surrounded by, in many ways, uh, a, a, a different demographic. Yep. And it became the place where Dr. King and so many other people. Uh, who came through Memphis would stay. So it was it got recognized as a place where all the famous people, black people who came to Memphis, they stayed at the Lorraine Mm Motel. And so after the events of April 4, 1968, the city and I would say the country uh, wanted to turn a blind eye to the motel, uh, and, and it become invisible. And in many ways it was invisible and it fell into disrepair. So literally for 20 years, it was this forgotten about space that where, uh, that, 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 had no positive connotations yeah. associated. And, and through the efforts of three African American business leaders in 1988, they begin the process of purchasing the hotel, the motel, and 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 thinking about it becoming uh, something uh, that that could be used for good. Now, much like the way revisionism works, there are many people who uh, reflect back now and 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 think about that it would become the kind of place that it has become. But I've done a bit of research on the kind of commentary about what this would be. And uh, what I can assure you is no one expected that a little over 30 years later, we would have 300,000 visitors annually Mm. and about 40,000 of those visitors are international. I love that. So this place that, had fallen in disrepair is now a destination for people who um, who are looking to to do a lot of things, find themselves, uh, be inspired, um, curiosity, uh, whatever the case may be. but you know I, I stand out in front of the the museum in the morning often before we open. And I can assure you every day, there are already people on our courtyard who they may or may not even come into the museum. But this is a place where people come to reflect, to be renewed. They look up at that balcony and see room 306 where a wreath hangs every day, mm-hmm. uh, at 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, 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 and they find hope. They find possibility. They find pain, but it's it's a it's a place that I hear routinely. Once you walk on our courtyard, the air feels different. Mm. And so, the power of place is an important theme in everything that we do.
1: I love that. I'm I'm sold. Uh, I I haven't been, but I'm definitely going now. <laughs> I'm definitely I I live for for that type of experience that, that you articulated. So, um, I I love that.
3: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments, that comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings, that frustrating thing your mom does, or that silly thing you said in a meeting. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P slash B-I-N.
2: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here.
4: Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results and then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. We are here today with president of the National Civil Rights Museum, Dr. Russ Wigginton, learning about one of Memphis, Tennessee's most historic and important attractions, discussing the life and legacy of Dr. King, as well as the intentions and impact behind his final campaign.
1: Um, so let's keep painting this picture. Um, now, uh, tell us more about the teacher workshop series that the mu- museum facilitates. and about any other sort of in-person and virtual programming offered uh, throughout the year for the public and pr- maybe even for educators as well
0: absolutely uh, we are first and foremost an educational institution and okay. one of the uh, one of the messages that I hear routinely is that the way in which the museum is curated is is, really one of our distinctive features the museum is first of all it's a lot bigger than people might assume from the outside looking in and and they they often are dismayed when they embark on a on a tour and and understand the the breadth and richness that we have to offer
3: mm-hmm.
0: It. Unlike what some people think, certainly it's it's done uh, and our mission is grounded in Dr. King's vision for our society, but it's not an homage exclusively to Dr. King. It's essentially a story of American history centering African-Americans and their experience in it. And so when you embark on a tour at the museum, the first thing you do, the first exhibit space that we have, it is a comprehensive look at the 250 years of the institution of slavery uh, in our country. Okay. And, and that sets an important foundation because it begins to look at the the social and personal aspects, but also the business in the industry significance of slavery, which is often forgotten. And it helps people understand some in many cases for the first time. That the institution of slavery still has almost a decade or excuse me, a century longer existence. than emancipation and freedom for African-Americans in this country and for, for many people, that is a striking moment. Mm -hmm. And when you think about being set with that as a foundation, we have done, a, I think, an extraordinary job of understanding that people of all backgrounds and all perspectives enter our museum. And so we have this really unique way of having people find their voice, find themselves, find community. Regardless of their background, regardless of their perspective. And so we, we meet people where they are in a really unique and powerful way. And we hear that from our visitors every day. And if you think about even, even for people who, who may have a significant knowledge base about African American history, our history in this country is uncomfortable. Yeah. So whether you know a lot or you don't, it's an, un, it's just uncomfortable. And so the ability to have this two to three hour long uncomfortable experience, yet feel supported and and feel like you're immersed in it is is really a highlight for us. Sure. And people often ask me, what do I want people to take away from the National Civil Rights Museum tour? And I tell them I want them very simply I want you to have a collision between your head and your heart Mm. because people learn and experience in all types of ways. Some people come in and they're going to read from top to bottom and and it's going to be this intellectual uh, intake. Some people lead with their heart and their emotion. What I can assure you is you're going to have a collision at the National Civil Rights Museum, regardless of what you're your Your learning style is. Mm-hmm. and and I, I firmly believe that that collision is how people remember. it's how they circle back to later. It's how they uh, it's how they get inspired. It's how they tap into some aspect of themselves perhaps they didn't even know was there. And if you if you have one without the other, that's better than than neither. But when you have that collision, the magnitude of that is what makes what makes it memorable. And it's also what allows you to keep coming back because there are things that will will touch you based on based on where you are in your own personal journey.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. So um, tell us more about the Solidarity Now 1968 Poor People's Campaign exhibit. and. Uh, what people who might visit would take away from it, or maybe some experiences that uh, that people may have had there.
0: Sure. So that that phenomenal exhibit, as a Smithsonian affiliate, we we're fortunate to have access, uh, and really, I would describe us as a preferred place for uh, the extension of Smithsonian exhibits. And what's particularly important about that exhibit is that. It, 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 it does a, a, a comprehensive job of displaying the, the breadth and depth of the people who were involved and participated in the Poor People's Campaign. Mm-hmm. And frankly, one of the things that's highlighted is why, why it was feared by so many. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about that particular time, one of the things about centering poverty in the conversation is that it, while there's some correlation with race, it takes race and sets it. it on a different level. Yeah. And when you start talking about poverty and you start talking about the ability to capture the imagination of of poor whites in rural yeah, communities else. And in Appalachia, now you're talking about a, a whole different kind of synergy. That our country wasn't ready for
1: sure sure
0: and and when you think about the fact that dr king was a significant leader of that it expands his role from this perception of leading black people to leading people who are economically exploited and that's a scary thought for our country in the in the mid to late 1960s it's a scary thought for our country today,
1: you know it's funny because a lot of people um certainly uh i've I found this to be true in in conservative circles, but a lot of people kind of pick and choose the dr. King that they want they um will uh, rewrite history um and you know as I mentioned, they leave huge parts of the truth, the the real story um, out of the conversation, out of the narrative that they want chronicled. And uh, you're right, Dr. King was a lot further reaching than many people know. His ideas went a lot further. It was more than just uh, little black boys and little white girls. Uh, it was, you know, there was real strategy for, as you mentioned, black people, but people in general to make a more fair and equitable uh, United States of America. And, um, now that I'm learning all that, uh, the museum has to offer, I'm sure that, um, it helps tell that story and paint a fuller picture of Dr. King. Am I right?
0: You better believe it. And it it paints a fuller picture of, uh, the surrounding dimensions, if you will, Mm -hmm. to to that movement. Um, one of the things that we do, uh, is, uh, we take what we we wanted to do in our country, which is uh, tell a nice, neat story and wrap it up in a bow. We mm-hmm. the whole experience is about the complexity of it. Yeah. One one quick example is we have a we have a uh, a fabulous uh, exhibit where there's a bus, and on that bus is a bronze statue of Rosa Parks, mm. and And people, uh, when they visit, we often ask, so, you know, about Rosa Parks. Oh, yeah, I know about Rosa Parks. What did Rosa Parks do? You know, she got tired one day and and she was brave in that moment. And that began this boycott in (laughs) Montgomery. And and, and, and part of our teaching is that we tell the full Full story. story. Yeah. Rosa Parks. Uh, she may have been tired one day, but she had been tired well before that day. Yeah. Yeah. She was chosen.
1: Yeah. She was on it. She. Yeah.
0: People. So we highlight the fact Rosa Parks went to the Highlander school to learn how to be a nonviolent protester. Right. Rosa Parks was the secretary of the NAACP in Montgomery, Alabama.
2: Mm-hmm, yeah.
0: So so people who know these things, it's validating. But the overwhelming majority of people,
1: they don't know. it. Yeah.
0: They don't know, and so we do that throughout the museum. And so when you go back to Dr. King, what we show is these is the full dimension of him. What people don't talk about is almost a year to the day of when he was assassinated, the speech in the that he gave at Riverside Church, which was a jaw dropping, radical. Dare I say, uncomfortable for many Black people, mm-hmm. what he was talking about doing. What I like for people to know when they're talking about Dr. King is we can lift up his inspiration and highlight his his, his ability to um, empower people. But the Gallup poll that was done right before yeah. his death, yep, go ahead. It says almost seventy percent black people disapproval approved him. yep i need for people to reckon with that mm-hmm. i need for people to understand this person who we will celebrate on january 16th is all of those things that we celebrate but know that in in that moment most of the country uh had an unfair we're not review. celebrating him
1: yeah. Had an unfavorable view of him, And I, I believe the number with whites was um, like 80 percent disapproval. That's right. That's yeah. right. So but that uh, also
0: tells you that half of black people were not did not have a favorable uh, perspective of him at that. Time. Sure. I mean, sure. again, from from that particular lens. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: It's crazy to, to think of it. Um, actually, we had a moment on this show um, where we juxtaposed if you will the Dr King that has become sort of like the I want to make sure that I am respectful um there's like a, a a fantasy version that exists in in a popular narrative um maybe it's maybe it's by design maybe not um you know we tend to remember things more fondly so perhaps that's true on a countrywide level as well um but then uh, on this show um our producer Chris uh he he wanted us to highlight um Dr. King's letter from uh the Birmingham jail and uh that really gave a lot of insight into exactly who Dr. King was and when you look back on it again you recognize that it, you know his brilliance goes beyond that so you recognize exactly how he got to be um uh at the level that he's that he's at when he was alive and of course since uh, his passing um but Again, it's it's funny how certain parts of Dr. King's life and his legacy have been cherry picked to kind of cultivate a, a separate narrative that is in many ways detached from the true uh, essence of the man and and the true thrust of his campaign. And so, um, again, just a, a magnificent um, effort in capturing all that and telling the, the full story, as you mentioned, um, and you, you can you couldn't have picked a better place to do it where you know the feelings are so uh, profound so um i can't wait to talk more about that
0: this concludes part
1: one of our two-part series with the president of the national civil rights museum dr russ wigginton check back in with us tomorrow as we discuss more of the life and legacy of dr martin luther king jr the intentions and the impact behind his final campaign and how the museum will be honoring dr king's birthday this year This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja.
3: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through.